Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode number 18 of the Lion's Den podcast. And what you and I uh, know, my friend, the people, our listeners don't know, is this is take number 55. Uh, so I'm your host, Fatty, and I have a very, very special guest with me today. Um, this person and I have not gotten a chance to build a real, uh, you know, long-lasting relationship. I think we only got to know each other over the last few weeks uh, to set this up. But I've known him as the individual with the camera around his neck, and he's always doing great things with it. So without further ado, Mr. Sharif Lewis, say hi to my listeners for the second time, sir. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Fanny, thanks for having me on here today. God, bless, awesome. God bless your patience, man. I'm going to no, just man, share it. Yeah. You make it a good time. That's what yeah. it counts. 17 minutes I put this guy through the ringer of just trying to get up, get up and running, <laughs> but we're here. Uh, how are you doing, man? Tell me uh, how your last few months have been. Uh, man, they've been great. They've been great. So I uh, just uh, graduated this year after five years of Eng. So that was a huge accomplishment for me. Alf Mabrook. Allah yani. It's a good time. It's, uh, it's, it's just a huge um, wait. And uh, finally, the day has come. And then, lo and behold, Corona hits and no, no in-person grad. So that was kind of a bummer. But uh, nevertheless, an accomplishment still to celebrate. Um, got to take the summer off, which is something I've, I've wanted to do for a long time between all the co-ops I've had in my program. Um, so, yeah, it's just been a good time all around. Yeah, and uh, actually, I have a couple of friends who studied ENG, and uh, I know it's a very, very taxing program on the yeah. on the mind, <laughs> on the individual. So um, <laughs> congratulations for making it through, man. And you worked a lot. And I know a lot of the co-op programs, too, it's – it's like school term co-op, school term co-op. Yeah. So it's consecutive. And the fact that you were able to get a couple months off and you actually, you were in BC around the same time I was in BC, right? No way. I didn't even know that, man. That's sick. Yeah. I, well, I think we home. didn't overlap, but I saw your post. It was a couple of days after. So how was, uh, how was your trip there? Well, I, I, it's amazing. Honestly, like, uh, it's funny on the last day there, um, I was, we had a, uh, condo, uh, that we had rented out uh, for the Airbnb. It was our last day, and we were out in the balcony on, like, the 30th floor or something, just looking over, like, downtown and uh, all the mountains. And uh, ironically enough, I started, like, Googling condo prices. <laughs> it was kind of like... And then you stopped uh, right away when you realized how right much away, Vancouver... Exactly. Yeah, Vancouver yeah. real estate is a different beast. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is not... This, <laughs> this was not the plan that I had, but uh, it was good to check. Absolutely. So, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hurt, but I mean, it, it kind of does hurt to check when it's Vancouver because you're like, man, like, what is this? Like, exactly. no way. Like, honestly, we, we spent the entire week in the island and then we came back to the city and you kind of just never wanted to leave. And then you just come back to Ontario like, man, I could have been waking up to the mountains right now. Isn't but. it? Isn't it crazy? Sometimes like when I was there, I was forgetting that this was the uh, the same country that I live in. Facts. I was like, That's how is this? Uh, how is this the same place as Ontario? It's kind of weird. It's a it's a different lifestyle, and you realize that okay, there's a lot more to be discovered than just the little box that we live in here. Even though it's in the exact same country, so absolutely. But that, it is what it is. Nevertheless, the five hour flight definitely made it seem like it was far. So, <laughs> so, so I want to just before we get into the whole um, your your side hobby, which sort of is your persona, I guess. Um, but I want to know more about your background because I actually had no idea you were in engineering. And when I was doing my research, I saw that you're actually working in aerospace and defense. So that sounds very, very cool. As someone who doesn't really know the detail, just reading the name, it sounds awesome. 
Can you just explain to us what that is and and what your role is within that? Sure. Yeah. So thanks. For the, so thanks for asking. So basically, um, currently, what's ironic actually is that right now, um, so aerospace and defense was the last co-op that I finished my degree with. It was like my finale for um, what I wanted to do. Um, as like an engineering, especially as a mechanical engineer, we have like a couple of industries. So I, I worked in um, automotive manufacturing. So that was all the car stuff. Uh, it, it was a great like I got to learn a lot about Dodge, Chrysler, Ford, Jeep, all that. Uh, worked at the airport for a bit, which led me to my last co-op, which you're talking about, which is um, aerospace. So that was a really cool one, as you as you were saying. Um, it was a good experience. We got to work with a lot of um, plans of basically like com- anything between commercial airlines to of Airbus and Boeing all the way to like military grade like helicopter of like the president of the U.S. type of deal. Oh so wow! <laughs> so a lot of classified programs there too. So it's really cool seeing how serious everyone takes uh, takes that part, and you get to learn like okay, like the different types of um, uh, industry uh, industries that go on in there. So the mix of like um, the business and how that gets integrated into something that's as confidential and, and um, very strict, especially in a field that's like this. Um, and currently, what's what's funny is I'm actually a teacher right now. So this is something that not not a lot of um, my my friends know too, because it's just recent development. So that's something I'm excited about. I finally got to do it. So teacher, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that? I don't even know if you might have known that. I don't think it's on. My I had no idea. So, no, tell exactly. me more about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a it's a recent development. So I got to use. Uh, it's something that since the first year of engineering, of uh, I remember presenting to um, a full a class full of engineers, saying that one of my plans was to possibly become a teacher, and I've always considered it. Um, like my favorite teachers in high school were also mechanical engineers, so now I'm a teacher, um, and uh, I've gotten a lot of support with that. So so a lot of good help with um, with that. With some people really were able to push me in that direction and and like show me the ropes. Um, so yeah, no, I'm teaching at a, a private school right now, and the plan is to to move on to uh, going to get my BEd or Masters of Teaching next year. So a lot going on, and uh, it's, it's an exciting time. Wow, that is crazy, man! I had no idea. So my wife is a teacher. She's oh, no. uh, yeah, she's with Peel. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, man, I I've been through the the process with her, so I understand it a little bit. Yeah, uh, man, I had no idea. That's so exciting. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've ever met a teacher with an engineering background, though, <laughs> like a, like a regular high school. Um, yeah, I'm sure you want to. I'm assuming you want to do high school because yeah, that's honestly a bit, you, like that's the goal. Your education, you, you're mad smart. So I don't know if you want to be teaching like grade <laughs> one too. <laughs> it's kind of a mix. Like yeah, so high school is definitely um, like my ideal place to be. Um, it's kind of a mix between that and even college level. So if that is, it's a mix of both. And I think if I could integrate both into my future plans, then I would be more than happy. That's really cool, man. That's um, I ha- okay. Well, I don't think I've ever met an engineer who took that path afterwards. But that's pretty cool that you're, you know, looking to do more schooling right after you finish school. It's like because because <laughs> right now you have a degree that can get you a a pretty good career, like a stable yeah. career, a long-term career, but you're looking to do something else. So uh, would you say your passion is in teaching? Um, what about teaching is, is making you take on this decision? 
And so, yeah, good question. So, um, so something that, so that I try to do is, um, I have the, the mindset that I want to tie between different traits about me that, that I want to see and be able to grow on a daily basis. So what does that mean? Um, so, um, something that really always attracted me to teaching is the, the inter like, um, personal con- uh, connections and relationships you get to build with people. Um, that's a huge deal to me. And that as well as just, I thought I, after you graduate, you kind of get this like epiphany of, okay, what do I actually want to do with my life? Um, you get to actually sit down, think it through and be like, okay, so I know what engineers do. I've been through this. I've been through a couple jobs. Um, I know what to expect. And I think just like for, for many people it works, but for me, I just wanted something that was a bit different in terms of, um, <clears throat> The, the day-to-day environment, the lifestyle that I'll, that I'll be going for, uh, the goals that I personally have, I just thought that teaching would be better suited. And I was able to bring up um, all my engineering like expertise. I, I teach an uh, engineering fundamentals course at the school as well. Um, I get to bring in my photography and teach that as a course as well. So I think um, engineering was definitely a huge stepping stone. And in terms of a degree, like I, I still would go back and do eng. And a lot of the um, the interviews I've had was, was also with a lot of engineers who were teachers. So it was very interesting because I didn't know that either. Um, some some guys were like one of the interviews I had. He's a, a senior mechanical engineer at SNC level, and and he ended up like leaving after like 14 years. Um, and he worked on some of the biggest projects. So I found that he's got that there's actually a lot of engineers in the field. And, um, and it's something that you only get exposed to if you are like, usually if you are an engineer yourself. Um, so it's a very interesting, like, uh, like, um, way that I can relate everything. And I'm so happy that it's working out this way. That's, that's awesome, man. I want to ask you for something though. Let's say I'm a person who's, you know, in your position, maybe not finished engineering, but I just finished my undergrad. Uh, I'm ready to work, but I want to pursue teaching. Obviously, now it's a little bit different because teachers' colleges, I think it's a two-year program or a year and a half. Um, how did you manage to get a job in teaching prior to teachers' college? Uh, honestly, that that's, uh, I think it was it's something that was on my mind for a, a while. And anyone around me during that time knew that it was just like a grind session. Um, like I, I was pretty <clears> – <throat> I was pretty concerned at that time. Um, you, you think like what experience do I have? <clears throat> Sorry about that, but what experience do I have to bring um, to uh, teaching as, as an engineer? And fortunately, at least in my case, um, I had already done an educational research term in um, during my undergrad, so I presented at an educational conference and got an award for that. So I did have some um, research uh, strands of education, where mo- mainly from an academic perspective, not per se teaching. So that definitely helped me. But um, I think the biggest thing is uh, to leverage your your experience. As an engineer, you're someone who knows the maths and sciences inside out. And uh, something that someone told me is that they they actually remember having uh, engineers as their teachers in high school, and they loved them because they weren't they weren't just limited to the curriculum. They knew the entire the, the entire picture, and because they knew the entire picture, they could explain things a lot better. Um, so. I got a lot of support from a lot of my good friends uh, who were in teaching as well, and, and they know who they are as well. Um, honestly, it was just two weeks, basically, I sat down, shot off all my applications, um, 
and just tried to honestly my my hopes at the beginning weren't too high but a couple of interviews in uh it's really started to build and like i must have at least shot like 50 applications um that's and, amazing man yeah so that that's pretty much how are you adjusting to teaching with uh with covid restrictions are you in person or are you online fully online fully oh online. you're fully online no you're yeah. chilling bro yeah. my, my wife's going to work with like a visor a face mask yeah. and then she puts like a plastic bag on her head it's like yo what's going on <laughs> <laughs> like what's going on here <laughs> it's crazy man it's like 30 i think 30 thousand students going back to online from the, the toronto district school board so it's it's really interesting it's it's crazy what's going on right now absolutely what uh what drove you to to wanting to teach man where where did your passion come from uh i, I would say just um I'm, I'm extremely outgoing so i i some people can't um go out and just uh be with people for too long i was the opposite so when covid hit uh it was really rough like i for me to just stay home and not have that in-person interaction with others i think was so 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 tough for me um i think for a lot of people they might have enjoyed it got into the time to you know to to just stay at home but for me it's just like i can't wait to get out of this so um teaching is one of those areas where i get to um basically interact with with others in in a much more meaningful way to me at least because engineering you still do interact with a lot of people you you um, you get to work with a lot of awesome colleagues and uh, managers who support you in your business growth. And I've seen that and I've had that experience. But I think the relationship that exists between um, a mentor figure or a teacher and uh, a student, as someone who's invested in their personal growth and their well-being and basically seeing them uh, as they make something of themselves and seeing them create and have an accomplishment at the end of the semester it's something that that will never get old for me. I think um, it's it's really rewarding, and like even in the beginning phases of this semester, I've already gotten a taste of that. So I think that's really cool, and I think it's it's something that only um, something in like teaching would be able to to give you, and some maybe other fields, but um, that's an experience that I I just want to continue going into. For in my opinion, right on, man. That's that's totally cool. I had no idea that 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 took a turn for the. <laughs> for the best for the best i I really like that was very unexpected yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Yes, i remember yeah. i remember man growing up i had such a passion for teaching and i don't know where along the way it veered off but i think my life calling is like to be a teacher i coach i been like serving and teaching sunday school for however like oh, 10 years i enjoy it so i don't know it's uh it's a cool career it's just with the fact that it's like two years now is a bit of a turnoff. But it is hard. It is. It's tough. And you gotta find. You gotta find adjustments, right? Exactly. And it's just you can't just like just dip on everything. It's like, oh, peace out. I'm going to go through two years. It's like even now, as a recent grad, with not like with no like no major responsibilities at least, um, in terms of like commitments or, or like family to support or anything. Even now, it's still kind of like, oh my goodness, am I really like a total of seven years in school? But. So I, I definitely get where you're coming from, but um, it's just it's just something that you, some you have to like weigh out sometimes, and uh, I don't think it's ever like too late per se. And honestly, it's just something that you try to do. There's like 16 month accelerated programs now, so that's a cool thing I'm looking into as well. But definitely a very uh, rewarding field to be in. Right on, man. So let's uh, let's take a shift. Let's take a shift. Let's do it. And, um, 
and and talk about your your photography persona, oh, your the other half. <laughs> my other half. Yeah. So when did, when was the first time you picked up a camera? Because so, yo, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I listen. Cool. I listen to like a ton of uh, basketball podcasts. So like basketball <laughs> is a passion of mine, and a lot of these players they talk about their journey, and they're like, yeah, I remember when I was like three. I picked up a basketball. I was dunking it on like the little Fisher Price net. So was it was it the same? Like you just picked up a camera when you were like three. You're like, yo, this is my calling, or was that something you developed like later on in life? So honestly, in my opinion, I think like from my experience, it's been something that I think developed later. So, but the thing is, I think it's always because I've been surrounded with it too. So some background. Um, my dad used to shoot weddings in the film days back back when he was in med school in Egypt. No way. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it kind of <clears throat> runs in the family too. And my uncle in uh, Florida is also a full-time uh, professional photographer. It's his living. So it's something that's always been in the family, I guess. And even like all my baby photos, like some some people have some like bad photos and stuff. But at least for me, I had some I had some bomb photos coming up. So I uh, always been been surrounded with uh, cameras and like flashes and all this stuff. Um, personally. The my my own journey started, uh, I would say in early high school. Always used to take it started off on my phone. Used to take my phone everywhere, document everything. Like I, I still have albums on like Facebook to this day of like all the events in high school, uh, all the photos, and like it, it's it's um it serves as kind of like the like the guidebook for everyone that we still go back to today. Like our entire friend group from high school. Um, and that kind of evolved. Um, my dad got me my first camera and then I used to take it everywhere. Even in university, I used to take it to like whenever we'd have like interactive labs. Uh, it was really interesting. I used to bring my camera, whatever events I used to bring it. Yeah. Uh, started growing and uh, one thing led to another and I uh, got recognized for it. And um, that's how I started getting known. That's actually amazing. So when did you realize that this was a passion? Like right away, or did it uh, was it something that developed over time? I would say honestly, it's something that um, develop. Like it, you, you realize that you take as you take photos, your interest in improving them suddenly grows, and it's not something you take um, like ex- it's not something that's explicit, like a, a, a turning point. But you just realize, oh, so I want to improve this, and why? Why does this happen, and how can I improve this? So you keep on like improving and improving and improving, looking at improving, like looking at YouTube videos, um, different workshops, and you start to develop your craft more and more without you generally being focused on developing it. It just becomes a kind of a passion project. Yeah. Um, and as you go, you, you realize that where you are is a lot better than where you were and where you want to be is a lot better than where you are. So you continue growing it and you realize that, you know what, um, like I really love this and it, it's never a work of labor, so to speak, or something that's burdensome. And eventually, like once you do reach a level of proficiency, you start getting noticed by that for that. So I think that's how it was. It wasn't never an, an intentional, like forced uh, thing. It was just, it came naturally. That's uh, I think that's when the, when you find the most success is when it is natural. Right. Mm-hmm. I think when you try too hard to do something and make it a thing, um, you lose the passion for the actual task itself and you get caught up in just trying to make it right. Exactly. And, and for me personally, that is something that I had to experience, you know, when you're starting something that, first of all, podcasting didn't even become a thing till like two, three years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so there's a whole stage of like welcoming people to that sort of experience, mm-hmm. right? So not many people are ex- adjust, like you know accustomed to it. So when you start a podcast, it's like, do I have a passion for the podcast or am I in this to try to become famous? Right. Mm-hmm. And we found that this is just something that we do. You know, when you're kicking it with your boys, you have a topic that you talk about. And we just so happen to put a mic in front of ourselves. So um, I think finding the passion and what you do is super, super important for that reason. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you did mention something about constantly improving. Right. So when you you're taking these pictures, you're looking at your work and you're like, man, I want to get better. I really need to get better mm-hmm. in an industry where. You know, there are a ton of photographers out there. Right? Yeah. There are tons of people who and and thing about like business wise, your overhead is not that expensive. You just got to buy a camera and then just practice a lot and, and do a lot of self. So really, I you can correct me on this. I feel like to become successful in this, it, it just it's a thing of hard work. Like you just got to work really hard and be devoted to it. Obviously, there's a fair bit of skill and talent that comes with it. Absolutely. But it feels like something that you got to work hard for. So can you tell me when you say I'm constantly improving, what is, how important is it for you um, to to constantly improve in an industry where you're one of very, very many people? That's a great question. So, yeah, to, to add on to, to basically address that, um, you, there are so many people who are in photography, photography, vid, uh, videography, cinematography. Uh, drones now are becoming huge. People love drones. Um so there's so many different uh, medias and, and even um, our things like our phones, like if you the, the iPhones, iPhone 11 with like four cameras or three cameras, you know, the, the, the stovetop cameras, that's what I call it, it like looks like that. But um, and there, the, even those things are able to take some awesome photos. So in a um, in a world that's so super saturated with um, just creation of content everywhere. Um, how do you stand out? And I think that's something that as a creative, we, we tend to ask ourselves, or at least I ask myself quite often, is that with this super saturation of, of like uh, creatives everywhere, m- many who are awesome and, and really talented too, like what um, what do I um, value in terms of my value proposition to let's say uh, a couple or a client or so on and so forth? And I think the way I personally address that is it's good to have diversity. And it's I think it's something that grows the industry when there are so many um, different photographers and videographers. Um, if anything, it just means that whatever you're doing has to be so much more unique to stand out. Um, I think a big part of, as you said, like, yeah, you do have the skill, you do have the um, the forte and, and the eye to be able to produce stunning images and the post-processing and all the experience. But when you do, when you start to do it as a, a business and you start to support clients on huge days that, you know, that um, will only happen once in their lifetime, uh, you, you begin to really think about what, uh, how am I different, right? Uh, what value do I bring? And I think that's how you build your brand. Personally, my brand has to do with, um, specifically, obviously, like not just my work, but also who I am. Like my brand is, is a huge part of that. The connection that I get to build with a client is, I think, something that um, not a- anyone can just claim. I think that it's something that once you get the uh, the couple or the client really comfortable in front of the camera, 
at that point, then you are the most skilled photographer to them in the world. It's not about just what you can do with your camera. Um, it's about getting the, like, the results that they want to see uh, and that they envision themselves in. Because even if you're the most talented photographer in the world, but you can't, you don't have that connection to be able to get people to really show themselves in the images you're taking, then like I, I don't know what much you can do with that. It's it's quite limiting. So yeah, um, in terms of that, that's that's kind of uh, where where I come from. Just having that vision, having the fine art of not just recording, but to really tell a story and to be able to connect with a client in a way that they're most comfortable that they might not be with others. Why I wanted to ask that is because it it's so easy for me as someone who's never really done it to think that, oh, like all, all that goes into being a photographer is someone who could just take really nice pictures, right? But I want to hear from you. What do you go through with a client? Like what's your client experience like before you even get in front of a camera? Like there's probably so much that you have to prepare for. And how do you learn that? Like how do you go from someone who just takes pictures as a hobby as someone who is your personal photographer and, and what did you have to learn to adapt to? Oh, where do I begin? <laughs> so that's a great question. Yeah, there's so much that I actually learned. It was, this is a, it was a big curve in the beginning. So a huge misconception I would say that people have is like photography is like, if you're a photographer, 90% of your time is spent taking photos. Um, and I think that's even something that we had as a conception, misconception starting off our own businesses. Um, but the more you get into it, you realize that that's not really what photography as a business really is like. Um, if I'm honest and like any photographer or videographer will attest to this, um, is that a majority of our time is actually spent like in all the, in the precursor pretty much um, being to, to get to the stage where we're like at the, let's say the altar shooting a wedding. Um, everything that all the time that it takes to get there is so much longer than the, than the actual day. Um, so it starts off with usually uh, a proposition of interest from a potential client saying, hey, so-and-so, and so like, th this is who I am. Uh, this is the event we're looking at. I've seen your work. I really like it. And I want to have it for my day. Are you available on this day? Then, the, then after that, you'd confirm your availability if you are available. Um, then you start discussing, well, okay, like what different coverage options you have and packages. And you start discussing the semantics of like, what they're looking for. Um, so you meet up with them, you, you try to go through like what their vision is for the day. Um, Cause at the end of the day, what people like also remember is a photographer is not just a photographer. We end up being almost sometimes event planners. We're, we're the biggest confidant of the, of the couple on the day of. Um, the couple usually is so overwhelmed with so much is going on. They need that right hand person just um, that, that really like helps set things the way they should be. So, um, even with event planners, like usually if things go a bit too late or a bit too early, especially with like trying to get a session in, um, we're, we're, we end up being their confidant for the day. So um, it's that's what they're investing in. They're also investing in who you are and they want to know that you're going to be able to, to share that day with them in a way that best um, brings their vision to life. So it's a long, it's a long, long process going yeah, through quotes yeah. and all that until you actually end up to the day of. And it seems like a bit of an adjustment too, like in terms of just your knowledge, you know, you, you're not, not everyone's built to, to have their own business. Not everyone's built to deal with clients. And I mean, when you're taking pictures for someone's wedding, someone who got married last year, 
I know what the girl looks for and I know what I look for as well. Right. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure for you to execute, but also you have to be, you have to be someone that we respect and that we understand, you know, their, their opinion matters and they know what they're talking about. So there's, like you said, there's a, a ton of things that you have to do that before you even get in front of the camera um, mm-hmm. by building that relationship for sure. When, did, when along the journey did you realize that you wanted to pursue this more seriously? I think um, so. It started like my very, 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 very first like time uh, shooting with a couple. Um, it was with a, a couple that uh, so the guy was going to, pr- to propose to her, um, and he reached out to me because he knew my work, and um, he he basically said like, "Hey, could you shoot this for me? It'd, be, it'd mean the world." Uh, I ended up doing it, and um, honestly, like, it's just blown up since. So we, I shot the proposal. They wanted me back for uh, and the engagement, and that was going to be my first, like, gig. Um, and I was so excited about it. And then being able so to lead the day and to get the photos that they really wanted, then delivering it. I think delivering is the part that every creative looks forward to. Um, it's a part at least that I am most excited for. So I got to deliver it to the clients. They got to see the photos and to know that for the rest of their lives, the photos that they will be showing their, their children or their grandkids or their parents um, are photos that I've taken like 20, 30 years ago from, from now is, is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that's when it started being like, okay, I really, again, it's like a theme, like that connection with people. And it's just been something just like teaching. It's another venue for me to be able to accomplish that, uh, that viewpoint that I really want to live out. Absolutely. And sometimes you just need that first chance, right? You just need that first opportunity, someone to believe in you, someone to give you a shot. And I mean, you probably at the time, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I'm not sure if you had the idea that when you did that person's event that a few years later, you would be where you are today. Uh, you're probably adjusting day by day and week by week. Am I right? Yeah, I know. At that point, it was a very interesting time. So I remember when they were still, um, when we were still talking about having, um, about them having me like come in for the engagement, I was still building my website. So like I knew that it was something that I wanted to grow, but at that point, like I, I wasn't expecting for it to, to grow that quick. Um, and like, honestly, thank God it worked out that way. Cause, um, one thing led to another and, and that's where it blew up from. So you're right. It is, it was a huge adjustment. And, uh, to be honest, if you're, if you're in business then it'll always be an adjustment, uh, to continuously grow, to continuously improve, um, to continuously show, uh, your growth and value. And, um, I think that's part of what keeps it interesting. For sure. So how do you go about building clients? What's your what's your approach? Is it more word of mouth? Do you reach out to people when like I know someone who this this happens all the time. It's like, yo, right when they see like proposal pictures, they'll just shoot a quick message. Hey, congratulations. Just like, hey, look uh, in the background. It's like, yo, just you know who I am. Like, you know what I do. So how do <laughs> you, you know what I do? So if you don't mind, <laughs> you know what I mean? So how do you go about like building your clients? What's your approach? Yeah, so uh, my approach. So you you mentioned something earlier, word of mouth. Um, if it, like that's huge. That's absolutely huge, uh, and I think it's it's been a huge part um, of at least my like a, a, definitely a huge component in my success. I would say uh, has been word of mouth. Um, basically, my my number one priority is you know what? Just if um, if people are thoroughly convinced with the experience that I've given them, 
then that in itself in terms of marketing is worth gold i i don't need to to go and tell you that i'm a photographer if you are convinced and you know the work that i've put for you before then i trust you will be my like my advocate so to speak that you were so satisfied with the results that you want to see someone who's also dear to you be able to experience the same results so that they don't have to go around looking for something that or someone that might either like not fulfill their vision or not give them the, the results that you were going for so that's one huge part of it, um, giving, proving your value that way. Uh, other than that, just showing your work. Like honestly, like um, I think with, with a lot of uh, with business people that sometimes they get uh, a bit um, shy to show their work and to say that hey, this is what I've done and this is what I do. Um, at least on my end, it's it's something that I always work on in terms of always putting my work out there, making it known what I'm up to, um, and basically. People know and people recognize when you're putting out your work. Um, and more importantly, people recognize when you're putting out good work. So uh, so when you – so it's kind of a double-edged sword. You, you always aim to give an awesome experience to the client and that will show in the images that you take. And the images you take result in you being able to show your work and by publishing it online and people get to see that. And yeah, it's just a, yeah. a huge chain reaction I would say. For sure. Now, I just want to know, you mentioned at the end there, like a big part of it is making sure that your clients or your customers have a great experience. Mm -hmm. um, so what have you learned in your time doing this about the importance of satisfying the customer or making sure that the customer is treated properly? Like how important really is that? I know it's it's one thing to say, yo, you know, make sure to treat everybody properly. But really, when it comes down to it, how important is it to have that? I think it's honestly the cornerstone of any business. If that isn't there, then there's not much. There's not there's not not much time left before it end, ends up just going back uh, into not being known. Um, I think the biggest way to accomplish that in terms of customer satisfaction or or customer experience is honestly just listen, man. Like that's that's what I tell myself. Like just listen. Like they're not here to to have. Um, to have you like just basically run the day with them as a dictator in terms of like all you want to do and all you want to see they're, they're bringing you because they have a vision and they believe that the um, that you are someone with the background or experience who can help them bring that vision to life so honestly like I, that was a huge mindset shift for me that i'm not coming here to just like go in with everything I have in mind. I'm coming here to listen for what you want. Um, what is your vision? And like, and the fact that we're talking now proves that, okay, you believe that I have the technical credibility to be able to bring it to life. So um, as opposed to just working for my own agenda and what I want to see, what do you want to see? So I think that that was a very like relaxed and, and, and like an eye opener to, to be able to zoom out to listen and usually like if i'm honest a lot of the brides usually do have they're very specific about what they want and i think it's awesome because they're going in they know what they want they've seen this these photos on pinterest um on instagram on on the couple's uh pages they know what they want they're going in man and they're like you know what? oh i know <laughs> you know oh i know <laughs> yeah so i know that in. i know that very well <laughs> So they're like, can you make this come to, to life, man? It's like my Disney dream. Like, can you make it come uh, come real? So that's honestly it. Just listen. And honestly, it is a funny thing that we used to joke about that nine times, like nine, pretty much 
10 times out of 10. If the wife's happy, the guy's happy. So. Yeah, happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> happy, happy wife, happy yeah. life. That's the secret, my man. <laughs> yes, sir. So um, I want to know about handling objection because in a business like this, in any business really where you're trying to make a name for yourself, it's your own business, how do you handle objection? Because I'm sure you face it. Yeah. Unless, you, unless you're one lucky guy and you've never faced it before, <laughs> then that's amazing. But uh, I'm sure you have. And, and how do you deal with that? Because I'm sure at first it was very uh, disappointing. Because um, for me personally, if, uh, you know, I obviously, I don't know if you've heard on the podcast, but I have my license to sell insurance, which is a self-employed business. And in that, you know, trying to build a client base, I faced a lot of objection before. And in the beginning, you start to question, you're like, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Is this worth it? Um, but then over time, you learn how to adjust and, and really turn that around. So I want to hear from you what you do when you handle or how you handle objection. Definitely relate to you on so many of those points. So thank you for bringing those up. Um, yeah, in terms of like, there is no business that will not face objection at any point. And I think it's something that you, that you just get better at being able to uh, communicate better. So let's say, in the scenario, so something that I've, some things that I've learned at least um, is that not all objection is is necessarily bad. Sometimes it's just a breeding ground for you to have a better conversation. So, like a, one like a usual uh, objection, for example, um, that any creative will face, like let's say might might be with packages. But thankfully, like thankfully, I've had awesome experiences. And I've never had really like a big issue with it, but sometimes you do get the occasional like, oh, like, um, like when it comes to pricing or anything and some discussions around that. And you, so at that point, you, you understand that, you know what, um, like you, first of all, try to see what they're seeing. You put your eyes in your, your, you step, step into their shoes, so to speak, and understand what are they seeing? What are they going for? Um, or what's the vision that they want to have? Are they looking for something that's that is merely recording, or do they want something that is more on the like fine art and artistic side? And does that does my brand match what they're looking for? So if they're looking for something that is just merely just uh, like something that they 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 want to save up for later, so for and they just want to get something uh, through and just have some recording done for a specific event, just to document the day. Then that's very different than a couple who comes in saying, "I've seen your work, I know what you do, and just give me your packages and when you're available because I I want to have you for this day." So those are two different mindsets. So be to be able to. Um, to classify or to um, feel, be able to help the client figure out what they want is a huge part. So that's num- step number one. And then step number two, I would say is depending on what they want, either showing your value um, and how it relates to their vision or being able to also support them with other connections that you have that better address their vision. Um so that's something else as well. And then obviously at the end of the day, like it's it's something that we both understand that people have budgets and it's stressful planning weddings. And, and so, yeah, so you're you from a creative standpoint, I totally get it. I mean, these people are planning their lives. They have so many uh, different uh, things to plan and different expenses going on. And you know what? That's going to be me one day. So you never, you never. It's all fun and games. And then you're like, wow, this is what goes into like having a real life. <laughs> Take me back. 
Mama. <laughs> it's funny. One a priest said, uh, "All the single people want to be engaged, and all the engaged people want to be married, and all the married people want to be single." <laughs> it's 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 a real yo. The grass is greener on the other side is one of the most real expressions <laughs> ever. It's so applicable. <laughs> but uh, you just like I said, man, you gotta always honestly find the blessing and everything, and just just run with it. That's the best way to approach anything because you can you can sit there and pit, you know nitpick your life and. You know, oh, I feel bad for myself because of this or because of that. And at the end of the day, there's no point. Nothing's going to change if you sit there and do that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So so I want to I want to learn a little bit from you as well, because uh, I want to be educated on this. So I don't sound naive or stupid when I speak about it. But can you let us know some of the different equipment that goes into a successful shoot? Because there's so many things that we don't take into consideration like i had um antonios on here i yeah. don't know if you know antonios but he does more like the videography cinematography and yeah, he was yeah like, I the other day too yeah so and he's like dude one of the biggest things to consider is lighting and it's like yo yeah. i know personally that obviously you need a well-lit room but you never really like someone who's not in it that's not something that they're going to prepare for probably as much as they should. So I want to know from you, in terms of photography, what are what are the different kinds of equipment that you can use to enhance your your product or your output? Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I think, honestly, Antonio's hit, hit the nail on the head with that one. Lighting is a huge one. Um, so that's a huge part, that especially <clears throat> from a video standpoint, definitely is a huge deal. And it's still the most very true way of photography. So uh, lighting is something we consider. But other than lighting, so there, there are different ways to execute a shoot. You, as a photographer, you either execute it using uh, artificial lighting. So, so stuff like uh, strobes, soft boxes, uh, diffusers, domes, all that kind of stuff. So using artificial light um, to either fill in shadows if you're shooting in like harsh daylight or harsh sunlight or trying so coping with all of that or if you're going to shoot in shade then that's a whole different thing or there's also a whole like other branch which is natural light photography which as the name insinuates you use existing light and you use that as your paintbrush so to speak to paint your your um your image um so there's different approaches to it depending as well on the field that you want to go for so at least um in terms of equipment, like you do have all your, your, if you're going, for example, the studio route or not the studio, but the artificial lighting route, you're going to be bringing in those, um, the diffusers, the domes, uh, soft boxes, strobes, uh, the batteries and the battery kits that you're going to need for all of that, which is, which is quite heavy, if I have to say. Um, so all of that, um, that is something you, you would bring for that kind of thing. Obviously your cameras and uh, your lenses, all your backup SD cards, backup um, backup uh, batteries for the, the um, camera itself, and just a, it's a whole ramble. But uh, other than that, I think another um, another half of it is also the mental preparation that goes into it. So you're going in knowing, like with the notes that you've taken with uh, the meetup with a client, of like this client likes more of a um, – natural feeling vibe this client likes more of like a like the fierce power couple vibe that you want to bring to life this couple is more uh into more posed um uh, images this one is more into more natural images so and you so you're going into that 
And I think the biggest preparation is the mental preparation because the equipment, you, you, you have it memorized down to a T and you know how to get the look you want right off the bat. But the part that takes more work is the warming up the, with the clients, getting them, you know, in the groove in the beginning, getting them comfortable, used to being having a, a lens close to them, um, getting them like uh, beginning to warm up and open up. And then as they get more into it, then they just open up and then the photos just start like flowing and you're just having a ball. They're having a ball and that's how it goes. So, yeah, that, definitely. That's a lot wild, of man. Yeah. There's so much preparation that goes into this stuff. Like, and there's so <laughs> many, so many different options that you guys can can choose. And then obviously it gives you different effects and different uh, products. Uh, so is this an industry that you'd say is constantly innovating? Is it constantly improving with new technology or is this something that um, is quite stagnant? I would say that, like, in terms of technology, the, 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 <laughs> where do we begin, man? The technology just keeps on growing and growing. So mirrorless is like a new theme that, that's, that's been here for a couple of years. But relatively speaking, uh, compared to the entire um, uh, photography industry, mirrorless is, is not that old. It's quite new, to be honest. So basically, that's an example of a technology. Um, and they're still making huge developments so companies like Canon and Nikon are trying to prove themselves because they don't want to get, um, they don't want to fall behind by not adapting to the new technology, um, and stuff like drones, entry level drones, consumer level drones, the DJI Mavics, stuff like that. So I don't uh, know. I had a I had Mark McHale on my podcast. He mm-hmm. he was in the army. And he also has a business where he actually flies drones. Yeah, awesome. yeah, to do UAV. And I had no idea that you needed a license yeah. to operate a drone, or like yeah. a, like a certificate or something. Is, is that does that apply for a photographer as well? I guess because he was mentioning it's anything over a certain weight. Yeah, yeah. So there is a there is a cutoff. Um, there's a specific weight, and I think it's the Mavic. For example, a DJI Mavic is um, it's a type of drone. It's a consumer level one. I can't remember its weight. I think it's 114 grams or something like that. Or I can't remember the exact weight. I might be mistaken. But they they made it to weight exactly one gram less than the cutoff for when you would start needing to having a license. So <laughs> it was like yeah. So definitely to operate a drone, you do need um that uh qualification or certification and it's it's honestly crazy how like how this has evolved just like what oh man yeah it's crazy and one of the craziest technology is like the 360 camera yeah and i don't know i don't know how i still till today don't know how the heck that even works but <laughs> a friend of mine proposed to his now wife with it with like he had his camera set up and everything and it was very discreet like you don't see it and it caught everything, man, and it was just amazing. Like I've never seen anything like it. And and the fact that you can now, you know, if I want to take this podcast and make it video, I can do that with an iPhone. I don't even need yeah. a camera anymore. Like it's the it's crazy how far technology is coming. Um, how important is it for you to constantly adjust and be with the times? Honestly, it's huge. It's very very important because. Uh, what what people don't realize is as technology also evolves, um, capabilities and possibilities also evolve. And what that means is that as people get more and more standardized to them and acclimatized to them, their expectations also evolve. So take, let's say, 20 years ago when people were, uh, let's say, still shooting, maybe just the beginning of the transition into digital and people were still on film. 
Um, if you had harsh lighting from an on-camera flash in the film days, as long as you know what the people the people are in focus and um, they're like visible to some extent, that was a great photo because there's very little photographers back then, and that was considered like, oh my goodness, this guy's a G. So, but comparing that to today, um, pe- like it's that's not the standard at all. You have so many; it's evolved so much that even if a photo is so well exposed, so well. Um, uh, composed in terms of composition and uh, the framing's gorgeous and it's in focus and all the effects is, are there by the client might say well how about this editing style that I see that other people do how about that and it's like wow so the, the clients themselves begin to be very technically um, aware of what different possibilities are out there so now it's not just the shooting now it's also how you edit it so like the color grades the um, the split toning, introducing colors into the highlights and shadows. Clients are starting to be more more aware of this, and and they like the look, so they're they're more aware of what they like, which is also really good. But that also obviously puts the um, the responsibility and like like I think the benefit for us to be able to uh, use it as an opportunity to grow because that means that we're not going to be stagnant. And that means that we don't never grow bored, I would say. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for you're sure. always evolving. Absolutely, man. Like this, uh, I- I've learned so much. Like I feel like I brought you on here to talk about photography, but we really spent a lot of it talking <laughs> about how to be, you know, successful at running your business and operating your business. And I think that's the most important thing because as a listener, there's a lot that we can take from what you said today that doesn't necessarily have to just apply to a photographer. You know no. what I mean? The way you treat your your people and go about your your business and operating with your clients and you know, it's just a lot of information. So thank you so much for that, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have the rest of your evening back, but I just want to say uh, again, thank you for for giving me your time and for enduring the first like 20, 30 minutes of of crap that I put <laughs> you through to get here. But we made it. Uh, and and again, man, I really appreciate your time, Sharif. Thank you. Of course. No, thanks for having me on here. It's a pleasure. I definitely can't wait till it's posted, man. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to all the awesome work you've been doing, man. Killing yeah, it. I appreciate it, man. And actually, of I'm going gonna, to hang up with you, but hang tight. I'm going to actually give you a call right after, okay? All right. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Sharif Lewis, the fantastic photographer, man. What a conversation. I, I, I remember when I was putting the questions together, I was like, I don't want to make him think that I don't know what I'm talking about by sending him a bunch of questions on how to take a picture uh, or sound, you know, uneducated or or whatnot. So uh, I really just, you know, was was hoping to bring out the customer service side, the sales side, and also just to understand the technology more in in photography. And I think it's super important for anyone who's, you know, thinking about uh, pursuing that. Uh, And also if you're getting engaged or, or need a photographer, like here he is, man promote from within the community just let me know and, and i'll get them out there for you uh ladies and gentlemen thank you for your constant support you know where to find me apple Podcasts, spotify uh wherever you get your podcasts i'm there so continue to give me your feedback and and follow me on instagram at the lion's den podcast underscore and i'll come at you next episode thank you